Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars. Welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm this week's host, Dom Philp on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We are coming to you free of charge just about every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. Best way for you to support is to rate, review, subscribe to Holy Tricolon, or why don't you add this to your social media? Maybe you found us on Twitter. It's WSBFUN over there. Shitloads of followers. Maybe you found us on Instagram. It's less likely, but it might have happened. It's at Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word over there. Hey, maybe you found us on the blossoming, soon-to-be-viral Wrestling Should Be Fun TikTok. It's Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word over there. And there's been a couple of absolute rippers on there this week. Well, no matter where you found us or heard about us, why don't you add this to your social media profile stream or reels, as the kids are talking about. As always, why don't you ring your mum, write a letter to your nan, or act us out as a play on a balcony for your local community. I think I've got it. Dear listener, this is episode 94, which means one thing. No, it's not Lex Luger and Bret Hart drawing the Royal Rumble. It means that 90s Mike Knight, you've only got five more opportunities to come on the show before we are out of the 90s. You'd better get your ass in gear, mate. I'm calling you out. Episode 99 if you're having pod problems, I feel bad for you, son. We got 90s Mike Knight on episode wrestling should be fun. That sounds about right. I think it's something like that. Hey, enough of me talking. I'm getting this intro out of the way. Then I'm not going to talk about anything else for the rest of the episode. You can look forward to a super strong style 16 progress wrestling review, as well as loads of other wrestling that's gone on, as well as a few chats about the drinking exploits over the weekend of these two gentlemen. Introducing first and foremost, as always, it is the brainchild behind wrestling should be fun. It's the chairman of the board. It is the boss himself, Ross the Boss Casey. Roscoe, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Very well. I'm a slight come down from all the wrestling that happened over this past weekend, but very happy to be back on Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast with you guys, including a debut. Up next, debut guest this week. We are very, very excited to have the whiz kid himself. It's the Wizard of Oz, Oscar. Oz, how are you, mate? Happy to be here. I think about a year of saying, I'm going to come on, I'm going to come on. Time has never worked out, but thanks to the bank holiday weekend, time has moved around. Finally, I'll get to made it. What, we're two days yeah. removed from Super Strong Style Weekend. Still slightly hungover, but I'm getting there. It was worth it. <laughs> I do I do want to have a, hang, a hangover update early, boys. So uh, taking away, looking under the hood or how the sausage is made. It's now Wednesday at around about 3.30 in the afternoon. And I haven't had a beer now since probably, Ross, what time did we finish up on Monday night? That would have been... Half 11 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's been getting close to 48 hours since I've had a beer and I still feel like absolute dog shit. <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about you lads? To walk us through your day yesterday after three days on the session for all of us because I I had a pretty rough one. What about you fellas, Ross? Was what? How was the head? Yeah, that like, so I was un, under such like a high because of the absolute beauty that is john collins getting us tickets to moldy peaches 
and then being one of my favorite bands from when I was like 14. 14 year old Ross was absolutely buzzing off wrestling and that. I couldn't really sleep when I got in. So it's completely messed up my body clock as well as my liver and my brain. So yeah, it's been a whirlwind, but I've managed to catch up on some wrestling this morning and I'm back to normal. But my Lord, did my legs feel like lead after being stood up for three days and then also a gig as well. Yeah. Not doing that again in a hurry. I could sort of, I could tell on the group chat yesterday when a few people like tentatively put a few updates like Harris and Conman, they both said they're in a bit of a state as well. And Ross, I I noticed you didn't even read the messages on the group chat, which is unlike you. I was like, yeah, he's dead. (laughs) Good night. I I (laughs) said, what a (laughs) manoeuvre. Oz, what about yourself, mate? What did your day look like yesterday? That's Tuesday. For some reason, prior to the weekend, I thought, yeah, I'll work Tuesday morning. I'll be fine. I was not fine. I think it was about half an hour late. This is only for an 11 o'clock start. Absolutely hanging until about 5 p.m. Because work and hangovers don't mix. So, yeah, didn't really get a chance to recover. Still feeling it. But, <laughs> mate, you, to be fair, you. I won't say exactly how much younger than Ross and I you are, but it's, it's quite a few years. Um, you're only, I think, I think you're almost exactly half my age. Uh, so do the math yourself, dear listener. Mid. So I imagine you bounce back a bit easier than us. But yeah, I if I had to go and teach six lessons on Tuesday, I would not have been able to do it. So I'm glad it's half term. Mate, you, what are you working, KFC or something? McDonald's, yeah. Mc, yeah, sorry, McDonald's. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So did you get told off? For being late, well, I think there's a because it's the half term. It's busy, 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 pretty much all day now. So I think there, there was more pressing matters. That wasn't me turning up a half past late, but no, yeah, just, right. as soon as I got in, just stressful the whole time. Didn't get a chance to have some water or chill out. Yeah, so that's probably yeah. why the, the headache didn't go away. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, hopefully at least there was a few you know nuggets flying around to help you with the head, but we'll, <laughs> yeah. That's a completely different story. So I guess we should talk a little bit of wrestling, Ross, but I assume after the big hit that was Mambo, Chuck Mambo, that is, first name Charles, on the uh, pod last week, we've got loads of people lining up for a shout-out and a call-up sheet. Is that right? Bang on. Right, let's do it. Play the jingle. Here's the call-up sheet. Okay, so as ever, we've got quite a few. So I'm going to reel off some names just to give them a quick shout out and then we'll go through to the big guns getting their gimmicks. So let's start with actor Andy Cairns, Barney F-Boy 2005, Dominic Mosley, Blocking Sled, Tony Perkis, NWA Power Matters, Signor Sinatra, Michael Geevedon, Jeff Habler, Emerald Hills, Robert Costman, Sean, PSVR2 Shin, Whiskey Brewer, Nick Farley, James Howpage, Jacob Grondy, all asked for a shout out. You've all had your shout out. Apologies that you haven't got a full gimmick. Your time will come. So let's move on to the people that are going to get an actual gimmick. First up, Mickey Shea, the storyteller. Not religious, but I follow Jesus and I read the Bible. I have no issue if you're a non-believer. Only people I hate are pedophiles and abusers. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mickey Shay, you sound like an interesting character. I'm going to call you the uh, the walking contradiction, Mickey Shay, because you know, not religious, but you're a believer in what sounds like the Christian ideals. But then it also sounds like you got a bit of shame around it and things like that. But then you're also filled with the love of Christ. You know, you seem to love everyone except for those who are evil in society. So I've got you down, Mickey Shay. Uh, you're the walking contradiction. I was going to say you're the oxymoron, but then I thought that was a bit rough. And it's probably a bit too English teachery for earlier on in the podcast. So, yeah, the walking contradiction, Mickey Shay. Next up, we've got Nate Bordash. Retired US Army. Go Sounders. Go Blue. Born and raised in Flint, MI. Oz, you want to have a crack at this one? Yeah, well, former army was it, so almost like start and slouch and sorter esque USA, USA. And then yeah. I'm sure the heel, the heel turn will come where they'll line up with, I'm not going to get too political, but one of one of the enemies of the US will go with that. That's their heel turn. <laughs> yeah, soon to be Great Britain, probably. Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, I liked the, um, in the, I think there was something about MI, which definitely doesn't stand for the Mumbai Indians, but um, that's the first thing I thought of. I could see, you know, this being a cricket gimmick. The MI Army. Let's go for that. Like it, like it. I like the idea that Nate Bordash is in a feud with Jeremy Borash. I, <laughs> yeah. Goulash on your DoorDash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matchup sponsored by DoorDash. Next up, we've got Joseph Duncan, security at Gumara Vineyards, co-founder of and a producer of Black Leather Crew, PA announcer for Arvin High, and did something in Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield, California. Okay, sounds to me like he he works at a vineyard. Uh, so maybe he's like a viticulturist. He um, grows grapes and he makes wine, which then what I would do, Ross, can you give me the name again? Sorry, mate. Joseph Duncan. Jo- oh, he certainly is. Joseph Duncan. Yeah, you are a horticulturalist slash viticulturist and you are in a tag team with the sommelier Carmela's, what's his name? Oh, Re- uh, Reggie. Reggie, you and Reggie, tag team champs of the world. You grow the wine and Reggie serves it. Um, and you're going to get over huge in my household. I'll give you that. And probably also with the walking contradiction, Mickey Shea earlier, um, if we get him involved, well, then maybe we can also get Jesus to turn some water into wine as well. So that would be an excellent stable, I think. Perfect. And I do not mean that in any sort of disrespectful way um, to Christians out there. <laughs> Next up, we've got Rockin' Robin 81, fun-loving, easygoing, happy metalhead who loves life, wrestling, heavy metal, Cheltenham Town, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, The Walking Dead, horror movies, and NFL. Uh, this sounds a bit like you, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> metalhead. I kind of see him as like a, almost like the fourth guy for the House of Black, where you've got all these three cold guys, and then you've got almost like the Ab- Alex Abrahantis with the House of Black, but gets over and everyone loves him because he's just so different. And so out of place, he fits right in, I reckon. Yeah. Perfect. Talking of someone who sounds like Oscar, what about someone who sounds like Dom? Steve NUFC. 
I'm on here looking for new friends and not after a relationship and no DMs. Is that all right? Go on, Stevie. Um, <laughs> all I can think of is a Geordie gimmick, um, except instead of being anything to do with the football club, maybe it's um, Geordie Shaw, Steve. And, and your gimmick is you're only looking for friends, not a relationship. So that's always going to be your story. You're involved with the Geordie, Geordie Shaw crew. And um, instead of trying to find the ride, you're just out there trying to have a good time and make friends. Um, your finisher would be called, what would it be called? Uh, it would just be called Friends, like the TV show. You'd probably walk out to that. You'd walk out to the Rembrandts. Um, <laughs> and then you've already got your um, you, the beat for your chanting clap picked in. It's just, there you go. Yes. But the theme tune goes, I'll be there for you, but don't DM me back. <laughs> In a, I'll be there for you as long as it's only plutonic. I mean, make it happen. <laughs> Steve NUFC, welcome. Welcome to the WWE, mate. <laughs> Uh, last but not least, we've got ourselves TK. I travel around the world putting people on TV. You can see my work on Showtime, HBO, National Geographic, AEW on TV, WWE on AE, Discovery, Peacock, AETV, and TLC. So this guy is someone who actually makes videography for WWE and AEW, so that's pretty cool. But it's not Tony Khan. Or is it? It's a different TK. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> so here's... Name is TK and his handle is iFilmedTK. Okay. Oz, you got any ideas? Do you remember when Sami Zayn did that documentary with the conspiracy thing? I reckon this guy could be behind the scenes backstage filming all the conspiracies and then making almost like a documentary to go side by side with the TV. And then that will lead into whatever blow off your story is going to have. I reckon he's in like peeking around corners with the camera, him and his camera crew rushing around the backstage. There you are. Yeah. So um, instead of GTV, it's TKTV. I like that. Documentary maker. Um, brilliant stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. By the way, everyone that's got on board there for the call-up sheet, thanks for joining us. That seems to be growing steadily every week, boss. So, um, yeah, hopefully we've done those half a dozen people who have got to give it justice. <laughs> Absolutely. I say that we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Okay, so uh, we're going to keep the ball rolling here on episode 94. As we said, mostly here to chat a bit of wrestling this week after essentially three days full of it. But first, yeah, so the way we're going to do it, dear listener, I'll just, I'll just, you know, spoil it all for you. Later on in our main event of the evening, the roundtable, we're going to talk all things Super Strong Style 16. Before we get there, though, maybe you are not here based in London like us. Maybe you are not here for the progress wrestling content. You probably want to hear the boys' thoughts on Double or Nothing or NXT Battleground or Night of Champions. Well, you've got some attitude, mister. No, no, no. Here we go. Let's do it. This is What the Nerds Are Watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Okay. So let's do the shows in chronological order over the weekend, lads. What the nerds are watching, um, the way we're going to do it, because we've all seen different stuff. It's been a busy weekend in various stages of drunkenness or hangover-ity. 
I think Night of Champions was the first show on Saturday afternoon. So, I had a look at this one. Ross, did you see Night of Champions? I did, yeah. I watched it uh, yesterday. And anything stand out to you at all? What were the what were your standouts from Night of Champions? So, standouts yet again. Proof in the pudding of WWE going to a place which doesn't normally get a lot of wrestling and fans just being into everything, whether it be a squash match between Rhea Ripley and Natty or an absolute barn burner between Ali and Gunter. Just ate it up. And I love just watching that live on my telly because there's nothing like being live at the wrestling and I'll love to see it replicated on my screen rather than... People sat on their hands watching Monday Night Raw. These PLEs that they're knocking out the park seemingly on the monthly happens in front of these crowds that are just absolutely riotous, and I love it. Excellent. One of the major stories that come out of Night of Champions, I guess, was in the main event uh, where we had Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa challenging Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. The big part of the match came where there was a, a run-in from the Usos, wasn't there? And... It, w- it was this time Jimmy Uso who finally seems to have had enough of his cousin's bullshit. Lads, I just want to get your thoughts about how that angle on this particular night was executed and where do you think we're going to go from here? Oscar, I'm assuming that you've seen this clip, if nothing else, from Night of Champions, mate. How did you feel yep. about Jimmy Uso, I don't want to say turning on his cousin, but finally losing his cool? I think even just the way it played out was believable. Sometimes in wrestling, when you get this like melodrama, it can seem a bit slow or just doesn't seem very realistic. You see, like, no, it was going to happen. As they went in doing this, doing that, the way, who was it, Sammy that moved? And then Solo Sokoa gets hit. You could believe that. And then Roman getting pissed off. You can believe that. And then can you blame Jimmy for snapping? How long how long has this been going on for now? So, yeah, I think just watching it play out in front of me, I was on the edge of my seat and then bit of catharsis there as well. Believe that. Um, <laughs> did you, were, were we shocked, boys? And I'm going to go to Ross on this one. Were you shocked at all that it was Jimmy and not Jay that was the first to snap? Or do you think that that tied into the way the story has developed? Um, no, I wasn't surprised it was Jimmy after what happened on SmackDown, where he was the one that said, I'm the tribal chief when it comes to being the ones. And then obviously um, that caused friction on the Friday night. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. And, and long-term storyline-wise, of course, this goes all the way back to Hell in a Cell, where Jimmy Uso was out for a long time due to his DUI, sadly. But he's sorted himself out. And that was his first match that he was involved in, where it was Jay against Roman. And it was Jimmy that came to save Jay from the vicious beatdown and... It was Jimmy originally that was kind of the guy that's trying to force Jay from being the suck ass to Roman in the like weeks that came out of that. And then eventually Jimmy went in line with what Jay was doing. So, And it was also, I think, sorry to step on you there. I think it was also Jimmy that was the first one really to warm to Sami Zayn, right? Correct, like, yeah, correct. We, we, all, we all think it was Jay because that ended up being the big story with Sammy and Jay forming what was seemingly that love-hate friendship. But it was Jimmy at first, wasn't it? And that's correct. why at the Royal Rumble, it was Jimmy that it, it hurt the most. It seemed to hurt the most yeah. that when Sammy turned. So it actually makes sense. 
So what I want to ask you, fellas, then, is what do you think the next step is? Like, we're not really, you know, we say this every week, dear listener, if you've listened to us before, you know what I'm about to say. We're not really the dirt sheet podcast. We don't, we don't really try to go behind the scenes too much, but I just want to sort of get a bit of prediction about what you think is going to happen next with this storyline. Are we thinking that it's going to be Jimmy to challenge Roman in a single style match? Um, Does he have a chance of unseating his cousin? Or is it going to be more of a a tag team feud now and Roman might not defend the title until SummerSlam? Um, Oz, I want to go to you first. What are you thinking? Well, yeah, it's it's confirmed that Roman's coming to Money in the Bank, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. He's been advertised now. So then they've already got, what, two ladder matches on that night. Do they need a world title match? Probably not. So, I mean, they could do Jimmy and Roman, but I don't think anyone's buying that, really. And so doing something with a tag, I'm sure Solo is going to end up being pissed that he got kicked in the face. So that could be a route they go down. Yep. And then, Ross, do you think that if we do get the tag match at Money in the Bank, I think I'd probably agree with that one. Do you think we are any chance of getting Jimmy versus Roman in a pay-per-view main event or a PLE main event in the future? Absolutely. It needs to happen. And you know that that he's been my guy to be the one to take the title off him eventually. So of course I'm going to say that's going to happen. And I hope it's at SummerSlam or at Mania and they make it a big deal. They could, of course, just have Roman Reigns kind of out there watching the Money in the Bank ladder match rather than being in the match because you're still seeing the guy and there will still be stuff that happens in the match. And potentially you could have Solo, Jay, Jimmy all in the match itself. That could happen. Um, There's loads of possibilities, but what needs to happen next and probably will happen next, in my opinion, is because Jay's still not sure that this is the right route to go down because he's obviously been down this road before with Roman Reigns and he knows that that he got his ass kicked. So he's going to try and level the family back together and it's going to take Roman and Solo to beat the shit out of Jimmy for him to really snap and be like, okay, now it now it truly is over because he's his twin brother and I know it's all about blood with the bloodline, but there's no closer blood than a twin brother. So as soon as they turn fully on Jimmy and do like a real brutal beatdown on him, that's when you're going to get the J turn and the massive pop, just like you got at the Royal Rumble. Well, I mean, Solo's their brother as well, isn't he? But, but like, I, I twin brother. I don't. Well, I haven't got a twin, so I'm not 100 percent sure. I do. I don't know. Do I have a favourite brother? I've got two. Uh, maybe that's for another <laughs> another round table. Who is your favourite brother? Do you think that we could potentially then get something where Roman sets up, he is talking to Adam Pearce and he forces Jimmy to fight Jay in a Money in the Bank qualifying match or something like that? That might be a nice way to develop the story further. And then Absolutely, yeah, because Roman's character is all about manipulation at this point, isn't it? Yeah, or you know, even or may or definitely or make Jimmy wrestle solo in a Money in the Bank qualifying match to get to that. Maybe that would make more sense. So it sounds more like something that they would do over there on SmackDown. Lads, as always, we always just quickly go around the table. Anyone, anyone else for something I've missed for Night of Champions before we talk a bit of um, uh, double or nothing? Did you want to quickly mention your hot take about Seth Rollins? Uh, remind me what it is that you think he's jumped the shark a bit oh yeah right okay so this is my idea about Seth Rollins um, not necessarily that he's jumped the shark because he's you know this is a, this is actually the coldest of cold boring takes but he's quick, he's pretty good at wrestling um, <laughs> I thought he was pretty good at wrestling about 
15 years ago when I was watching him as Tyler Black, mostly in Ring of Honor with the Age of the Fall and stuff like that. But what I do think is a bit shark jumpy is that entrance music. Now, and so many people are going to be yelling in their headphones, no, it's the best thing ever. Why do you not want us to have fun, Dom? Is this wrestling could be fun? But <laughs> the as I was watching that match, right, where there is, it's face versus face, and there was a point in the match where AJ Styles is trying to build fire, and he's on top, he's hitting flashy moves, we should be chanting for AJ Styles in a face-versus-face situation where he's on top. And I'm watching it, and AJ's looking around the crowd, and all they wanted to do was fucking sing along, whoa, 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 whoa. And I quite like singing along when the entrance music is on, but I just felt like actually that took away from the match for mine. So it's not so much about Seth Rollins, really. Like, I'm really looking forward to hopefully a title defence in London. I will sing along with the entrance music when he comes out. But my point was that I just wonder if the entrance music has kind of become more important to his character than the actual story that he's telling in the ring. And as soon as that happens, as soon as singing the song is more important than the story that is going on between the ropes, well, I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And do do you think I'm full of shit? No, I can see exactly what you mean. Because think people in the arena, they're singing the song, singing the song. If the big sports happens, the wrestlers are going to want a reaction to get their heat, get their whatever. If everyone's just more concentrating about singing their song, it's hard. Yeah. It's almost like working a working a match without the crowd. But you can get to a point. Yeah, and that that's just sort of what I was thinking when I was watching that. But then at the same time to be contrarian to myself or someone might say, well, after a few beers in the ballroom, don't you just try to make up funny chants? Um, so, you know, none, none of us are perfect, dear listener. I don't make many mistakes. I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. So if like a negative thing, like the what chant became in wrestling, where promos were just hijacked with the what chant for what seemed like years, if that's 10 for negativity where's Seth's song at for you it well it's it's no it's nowhere near that level that's for sure uh, it's probably only middle of the road it's probably only a five really because it if you want to go down that route I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as um when fans try to actually book the match themselves I think even worse than what for me is we want tables because it's like no just watch the story and let the story unfold. Don't try to tell the wrestlers what to do in the story. Yeah, and I find that it's not quite as bad, but um, Fight Forever, I find also a little bit down that route. Um, maybe no, or, and both these guys are similar. No, don't Fight Forever, not both these guys. Can someone please try to win the match? Um, <laughs> but uh, that's sort of... And, you know, in most cases, it's probably going to be the guy that I want to win the match. But that's, yeah. you know, and if if I don't have someone that I want to win the match, well, then I'm probably not yelling anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, from my point of view, he's a baby face. People are, are enjoying it. At least it's a baby face now and it's not as he was as a heel. 
So at least it's like um, they're like showing their support for him rather than doubling down on the annoyance of not really watching the wrestling and then cheering for a heel at the same time. So we're getting better incrementally. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I'm very mindful that probably my take on all of that was probably more heelish than just singing along and having a good time doing any wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. If you pay your money, just don't say some offensive shit and you're, you're okay in my books, dear listener. Okay, so up next, well, you know, let's keep going on the WWE theme because I know, Ross, um, you wanted to mention a few things from NXT. Battleground was the name of the show, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I watched this out of one slightly squinted, closed <laughs> over, hungover eye. Yesterday morning I watched this. Ross, you're going to have to guide the conversation. What were the key points for you? Okay, so I've got three key points on this show. Yeah. Number one. I think five of the six matches had someone from an NXT UK roster. So obviously I loved it. Big up the NXT UK roster. Two, the Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyrie match was brilliant. They gave it like 16 minutes, which was a surprise to me. I think it was, I think it was the second longest match on the card, which when you think of some of the matches that were on that card is brilliant for those two wrestlers to be given that amount of time. And some people may say, oh, they might have struggled to had a story in that time, but no, Lyra was the baby face. She'd been attacked by the masked, unidentified wrestler up until that point, until yesterday where it was revealed it was Blair Davenport. And she had the tape's knee. They did lots of limb work. There was a point where, there's a spot where um, they did like a the crisscross and then they do the jump under the diving knees. And Tiffany Stratton kind of struck the knee which kind of sometimes looks like a botch. I hate that word, but it kind of looks like a botch, but it was a planned thing. And then they really played into the knee injury after that. And then they worked on the knee and I absolutely loved it. A match that I didn't expect to be speaking about on this podcast in such a busy weekend. But if you have your time, go out your way and watch that match. Absolutely loved it. Brilliant piece of limb work, hill work from Tiffany and Lyra was amazing in that match. And lastly, of course, Ilya Dragunov, Dijak, what a match. Last man standing, absolute brutality. And I put out on Twitter earlier, actually, a picture of Dragunov as he's strapped up in the corner, getting these kendo shots to the point where it looked almost like he'd broken his arm. The amount of lumpage and bruisage on his arm was horrendous. And he just kept on looking at it as if like, oh God, that's really bad, actually. And then the intensity in everything that he does carries through to his selling the point where it's almost like he's literally in tears in the ring but you're just watching this guy suffer and I always will remember that part of his promo I think it was the first Dijak one he said the line wrestling is suffering and nobody suffers more than Ilya Dragunov and it's so true you just watch this guy go through dreadful dreadful pain and he's so sympathetic in that character despite being an absolute badass it's so impressive to be a badass but also show such vulnerability and it made me write on Twitter that he's got what Mick Foley had, where you can't help but watch the car crash and hope that he survives and that he wins. And <clears throat> I feel like if he goes to the main roster, he's got the capability to do what Mick Foley did and become a top card guy because he's so likable, vulnerable, sympathetic as a babyface. The I could I I don't want to say I completely agree. I somewhat agree. Because as I watched this match, I got real deathmatch vibes. Um, 
not quite because of the level of violence, although it did have a nice healthy dose of violence, kept me happy on that one, but just because of the story that was told about they actually built into it leading up to it where it was something along the lines of, I don't, I don't follow NXT, but watching this show, The Package, something like Dijak was saying, you know, like, I'm going to break you and Dragonoff was sort of like, you can never break me type of thing, right? And yeah. if you've joined us before, um, if you listen to our Deathmatch special, uh, maybe uh, might have been about six episodes ago, I spoke about that's sort of one of the pre- uh, presiding stories in a Deathmatch is that, it's not always someone trying to win a match by getting shoulders to the mat. It's about who can be the toughest and who can take the most. And can I dish out more punishment than you can take until you're ready to just say, no, I give, do not hit me again with another light tube. And this to me had that sort of narrative within the match that I enjoyed. As far as going to the comparison with Cactus Jack or Mick Foley, I'm going to need to see a little bit more not just sympathy out of Dragunov, but more humanity out of him, maybe outside of the ring before I am completely willing to sympathise with him because I don't connect with him from a human level. I still look at him and maybe it's because of like I've seen him before in person and I watched him against Pete Dunne in progress and stuff like that, but I still see him almost as a robot. You know, like it's almost like, no, you can't hurt this guy. He should be in the Terminator or something, right? For me, I'm going to need to see him suffer more and show me some humanity, show me some emotion that is not pain. Because I think that's the thing about Mick Foley. We actually got to see the joy in him. I think that if you think that the presiding emotion of Mick Foley's career is pain and suffering and violence, I think you've misread the character. And I know you, Ross, you understand because I know you loved your Attitude Era, but I do think sometimes people think, well, the reason that McFoley is so lovable is because he got shit beat out of him. Whereas for me, I think the reason McFoley was so lovable is because he was, like you said, and be on the mat. I want to be known as the world's most polite wrestler. I think that people could see behind the suffering and, and he was a re- relatable from a human standpoint. And that's what created the empathy. Whereas Dragunov, I need to see something more in him to create empathy rather than he just gets a shit bit out of him. Because at the moment, I'm like, oh, well, that guy's just a robot. Yeah. I don't, so, so I don't know what it's going to be that will build that. Well, what it was that built it for Foley was that sit down with JR. Yeah. That like humanized him. But I feel like at the moment they are kind of creating him as a robot. But what I'm saying is that unlike PCO, who's like a genuine robot, yeah (laughs) like this kind of storyline that they've done with with dijak is a big improvement for him and i feel like the more that they introduce his actual life where like you know he had to leave russia for germany and he was never really accepted in germany had to go to britain the nxt uk thing happened that's a true life story now he's in america and like the more that they can just tell his look his life story the better yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because before the match, Dijak coming to the ring sent his wife and kids out of the crowd, right? Yeah, that was a brilliant touch, wasn't it? Where he basically said to them, like, I don't want you to see what I'm going to do to this man. <laughs> well, you know, like they could have done something similar or maybe instead even with Dragunov. Like that would have been something that could humanise Dragunov for me. It's like, oh, no, this guy has a family. He does have fighting spirit, but there's a reason that I should feel sorry for him when he breaks his arm. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Yep. Yeah, other than he's a tough motherfucker. Because uh, 
I, I don't really relate to tough motherfuckers, but I relate to guys who are just human and can overcome, you know? Yeah. It was an interesting one because obviously it came after Brock Lesnar, Cody, and they were trying to do the same thing in that match, I guess, but this was a far superior product to what Cody and Brock managed, in my opinion. Yeah, different sort of presentation, but yeah, I, I agree. So, which sort of takes us on to the second show from Sunday evening UK time, which is going to be AW Double or Nothing. And I will call it Double or Nothing instead of <laughs> Double or Nothing. So, taking the lead on this one, Ross, I know, I don't think you've seen this show fully, so I'm going to hand it over to the Wizard of Oz himself. Oscar, to give us a few of the high points for you. Double or Nothing, what do you got for us, mate? Sort of the middle of the show. We watched in a pub slash club on my iPhone, rested up against a parasail or something. So all of that was a bit Just, blurry, but I have gone back and I've watched is, Isn't that, the... that's exact, it's exactly how the elite uh, intended it to be seen, I think. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I have gone back and watched the Battle Royal. It, I think I watched it in two times speed, literally just before we hopped on to record, but I watched the Battle Royal and Anarchy in the Arena. Both of those two matches were great. And I watched the um, Chris Statlander return. That was a good moment, but I feel like I'll get onto that afterward. <laughs> but I think starting off with the Battle Royal, because that's a good, I don't want to leave with a slightly negative. That match was great. So many good stories getting carried on. Great spot. Commander, again, I don't know how he does it, but to jump that high is incredible. And I think, yeah. I don't mind Cassidy retaining him, but I feel like this was maybe their best chance to do a swap. Because after this, if he can't lose it in a 21-man battle royal, I guess he just has to get battered and battered more until eventually he can't defend it every single week. Yep. And that's, mate, that's 100% the story. So Ring of Honor did this with the Austin Aries title match, Wrestling Machine, show in, show out, defending the title. And then eventually... He had, for Austin Aries, it was a neck injury. Um, obviously, for Cassidy, it's going to end up being the hand, isn't it? Someone's going to get a hold of that hand and someone is just going to beat him because he's not going to be able to overcome that injury. Well, for Aries, it was the neck. They built into it for a long time. There was a series of matches. Alex Shelley worked the neck with lots of cravats and his finisher that was called the Shell Shock, not to be confused with Ryback. And then there was, then he wrestled um, Loki as well, um, and Loki dropped him on his neck with a key crusher, and then eventually he got to the point where he was up against CM Punk, and um, CM Punk dropped him on his neck with a Pepsi plunge, as well as a Death Valley driver on the apron, and then that was the end of him. So it was a story that was told over several months with, um, and they, and this is a guy who was going all over the world. He had the most Ring of Honor title defences or the most countries defended or something like that at the time. And then eventually CM Punk got him and he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. So I think that we're going to get something similar with Orange Cassidy eventually. But I'm going to throw the table open. Not a prediction. Who would, rather than who do you think is going to win it, who could be the person that's going to eventually overcome an injured and battered Orange Cassidy? I reckon I've got my fingers crossed for him and Will at Wembley. I reckon that match could just be so hot in the arena because them at Forbidden Door, that match was, I think no one had that to be possibly match of the night, but I think it probably might have been. If not, it was definitely up there. So to see them two go out in Wembley would be incredible, I reckon. Don't know if, I don't know if you change it though, but definitely could. 
Cassidy's going to end up having about 40 defences if he retains all the way through until then. Ross, any ideas about who you might think uh, to upend Orange Cassidy? Who you'd like to see upend Orange Cassidy? Not a prediction, mate. Who would you like to see it be? Well, you said that that is someone going to attack the hand, right? Yeah. So for me, that's got to be Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Again, it could well be in the UK or it doesn't have to be. It could be at Forbidden Door, right? Yep. An opportunity then for um, Zach to be on the card at Wembley. Like that's, you know, straight away open for him. I can't really think of any better answers than that, lads. So I think that'll do. Um, <laughs> I All I can think of people who attack the hands, I can only, have, I can only think of um, people that are assigned to WWE and tag teams for Sheamus and villains who we don't talk about on the show anymore. So, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. So you mentioned Oz, the Anarchy and the Arena matchup. Big standout for me was the exploding super kick and then the barefoot thumbtack spot. But what about yourself? Like, you you enjoy the presentation of the Anarchy in the Arena? Yeah, I think that much, that much was so much fun. Yeah. Because the way it just starts on the ramp, coming down, I pop so hard at Knox getting... Busted open first. What? Well, how do you, I, don't even, I don't even see it happen. He just turns around and Tony Schiavone pops his head off for uh, the bold, bleeding head of Knox. But no, the way. Oh, the referee. Yeah, the sorry, story. the referee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, the re- referee yeah. got got busted open. Which, yeah, that was a nice touch. It was interesting, that yeah, for sure. And what did you th- what What do you think about the finish, Takeshita, with well, the running? It's been plotting for a while now, and I think the way they executed it was great. I think those two, Omega and Takeshita, the ceiling is so high for that match. And I cannot wait to see it. They've got everything they need. They've got the quality. They've got the story. It's going to be hard. It'll be hard for them to mess that up. I reckon that could be one of the matches of the year. Yep. Could definitely see that. I think a lot of people will have that in their early pools. That's for sure. And you mentioned about Statlander, mate. So bring it on home. Yeah. As a moment, it was great. But this Jade Cargill run's gone on for how long now? And that they ended it in, what, 50, 45 seconds, I think someone said it was. I mean, I can see why they did it, but I reckon, could you have made the Jade Cargill streak end in a bit of a bigger moment, a bit of a longer match? Maybe, but I'm not, I'm not a booker. But I don't know, I was a bit underwhelmed with how that ended. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I guess we just got to see where they go with it. What, you know, mm. what comes next for Jade Cargill? Is it time for her to go up into the next tier against your Tony Storms and your Jamie Haters and your Britt Bakers? Because the thing about her with that TBS title was she was probably never going to get a chance at the, you know, in the words of WCW, where the big boys play. So see what happens now. Does she go into a new tier? Time will tell on that one. So that's sort of the weekend TV wrestling, fellas. Is there anything that I've missed out? Anything else we need to touch on before we get to the real main event of the evening and Super Strong Style 16? No, I think that's Nope. All. I'm taking that as a no. Ross yeah. has fallen asleep. <laughs> no, I'll just let you chat AEW. I haven't seen the show, so I didn't have too much to add in. No, that's all right. Just making sure I haven't missed anything that you wanted to talk about. Let's get on to the main event then, yeah? Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable, Super Strong Style 16 Review. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Have you ever, ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round twists? Have you ever, ever felt like this? So, 
Something slightly different for the roundtable this time, fellas. I thought what we'd do is we'd just pick out some of the key talking points across the weekend and we'll get a chance to riff that way. Rather than us going through match by match, three days of wrestling, I don't know if I could possibly handle talking about too much more in-ring wrestling after the weekend that we've had with about eight shows each. So what we'll do... Key talking points, get a chance to share our ideas and just see where the conversation goes that way. Does that sound good to you, boys? Yep. Right, yeah. Okay, right. First talking point then. Let's go straight to the main event of the weekend. Kid Lycos. Kid Lycos from Lycos Gym wins... I guess we're going to call this one the big one. It doesn't get much bigger than Super Strong Style 16. Traditionally, it's been somewhat of a springboard into the main event scene of Progress Wrestling. Former winners like Will Ospreay, like Alistair Black, uh, like Zack Sabre Jr. Well, can't argue that any three of those guys are main event players all over the world. So I just firstly, touching on Kid Lycos, what have you thought of his story and is he the right winner, Ross? Yeah, so I've had a few days to ponder this one. And I know that we had some discussions with multiple people who were at the shows, some of which felt that Kid Lycos was a bit of an out, out of the blue winner, which I think we can all agree was probably the case because nobody had a Kid Lycos win in the Pickums. But when you break it down, post Return of the Fly in, in progress... Kid Lycos has been on a really cool story arc where he's beaten his kind of protege, I guess, in Chris Brooks. He's beaten a tag team champion in Chuck Mambo in a hair versus mask match. He then kind of squashed his beef with Mambo and TK after that match where they lost clean to Sunshine Machine. And then once that was signed off, he's had great matches against the likes of Luke Jacobs where he picked up a win. He had a really good match against Warren Banks, which was something that needed to be tied up because obviously he was involved in Banks not quite getting the job done for when he was almost super strong style champion and something that if you're going to build a baby face, you need to kind of like tie up the loose ends of like their hildom. So that was the correct call. So actually booking wise, excellent bit of booking. And in terms of creating Kid Lycos from being a tag team wrestler slash mid-card singles competitor into frowning him as a super strong star winner and giving him the microphone and letting him do a babyface promo that had just as good reactions as the pop at the end of the win on the back of beating the past in Haskins, the current in Nick Wayne and the future. I think that they did an absolutely incredible job for what they've done. My only concern is that there isn't a show now till August in London at least. And I really hope that we don't get a Chris Ridgway situation because I wax lyrical about the job that, that they did last year with Chris Ridgway by making him go from a tweener, mid-card guy, to an absolute hill in my eyes and not Oscar's eyes. <laughs> an absolute hill going through the likes of banks and money. And then they kind of dropped the ball on him. And I know that a lot of stuff went on backstage and there was the Japanese deal that he had. So... They may have been blindsided by that, but I just hope that this little gap here doesn't derail the brilliant work that they've done because I truly think that that it was a star-making weekend for Kid Lycos and they made someone new 
And I actually, having thought about it even more, I think that potentially it was my favourite story arc of a Super Strong Style win. And I've been to all of them. Well, I think there was, just to fill in a couple of the gaps there, I think there was a lot of the storytelling done without us really fully knowing before the show even started or before the three shows across the weekend even started. So you mentioned Return of the Fly. That was a time when Lycos wrestled Chris Brooks. Brooks beat the absolute tar out of him, um, treated him like he owed him money, and then Lycos gets the win in the dome. A little bit more about that in a minute. And then there was sort of this situation where it felt like Progress weren't going to acknowledge the things that happened in a different uh, home ground. So uh, it felt like Lycos had all this momentum at the Dome. And I even happened to mention it to him just at the merch table as I was walking past very briefly I, on um, on Sunday, day two. I said to Lycos, I said, oh, plus 10 stat points in the Dome, mate. What are you going to do, you know, in the ballroom now when you haven't got that home field advantage? And he just sort of half gave a smile and a laugh, I guess probably because he knows that that was going to be the exact story that we were going to see. And that not only was he going to show the capabilities on a smaller stage, but that momentum was going to go onto a bigger stage. Um, tie that in as well to what you mentioned, Ross, about Chuck Mambo and the hair versus mask match, as well as the after that tag match against Lycos Jim. And it never got mentioned, and that probably means that I'm the one that was wrong. But I swear in that match, and I didn't want to mention it to Mambo last week because I thought it might have been breaking fourth walls or something, but I swear that there was a part in that match where Lycos had him beaten, he had him locked in, something along the lines of a, of a uh, cross-faced chicken wing, I think it was, and I'm sure that Mambo's hand hit the mat. I'm not saying that he definitely tapped out, but the story was, I think in that match, that Lycos loosened the hold because he thought Mambo tapped. Now, it never got mentioned in any interviews. It didn't get mentioned at the show, possibly because the camera guys didn't get the shot in the same way that I got it being six foot six um, and just watching from, you know, the six rows back. But... That to me is well so to see that, well, what happened in at the, after the match was Lycos cut another babyface promo putting over Mando on TK. So that was another seed sown. It's like, well, I can overcome Chris Brooks. I am a babyface somewhere else. So I can also carry that babyface momentum into the ballroom, which is a bigger stage. And even though I lost to the best tag team in Europe, longest reigning champs, going around even though that happened i can still come out of it like a baby face afterwards this is a change of heart that we're seeing but i actually probably secretly might have beaten him just no one noticed and then we finally get that in super strong style where it's like okay these things have subtly happened no one really mentions it oh shit lycos is a baby face that can beat people like Chris Brooks, Chuck Mambo, Mark Haskins, Nathan Cruz, Nick Wayne. And that's it. There he is. That's your, as you said, Ross, that's your boy made. Yeah. Oscar, I, what I wanted to ask you, though, mate, is how do you see it playing out from here? Do you think that we'll get Lycos versus Spike Trevay pretty soon? Uh, will we go straight on to that in the August ballroom show, or do you see something different happen? Yeah, I, th I think it depends 
what they're going to do with the match itself. If it's just going to be a babyface versus heel, heel wins, hot match, but nothing much after that, then I reckon they'd better do it soon. Because if they went all the way to August with it, just for a good match, carry on the spike story, I don't know. The mm-hmm. super strong mm-hmm. winner, is that how you want it to go? But I think if they wanted to wait to do the match in August, they could build Lycos for the next, what is it, two months, three months, and really get everyone behind him. And then could win the title if he gets all of that. Because he's already, I think, the most organic baby face right now, the way they've built it, not shoving it down our throats, saying to cheer and to cheer him. We've, as the fans, have decided to cheer him because of the match quality and the in-ring stories. So if they wanted to try hard to build him as the top babyface, he could defer Spike. But I think it needs a bit more time. The fact, I, I said on Saturday, I reckon this will be the Kid Lacos coming out party. But I thought that would have been more of a semi-finals or maybe even the quarter-finals. Losing, but getting over in defeat. For him to go through and win the whole thing, I think they pulled the trigger on him. You can't, you can't knock him for that. Is it a bit early? Possibly, but there's definitely still time to make him the star that maybe they want him to be. Yeah, I'm kind of with Oscar in that. I don't want it to just be August and then that's it. Unless they crown him, I would rather them do a kind of a MJF type storyline where Spike Gervais puts obstacles in his way until he gets the title shot. If that makes sense. So he kind of makes him wrestle Bullet, makes him wrestle Sterling, Riley, singles matches, tag matches, build up the kind of momentum of Lycos for a bit rather than just kind of, yeah, he had a bit of an out of the blue win in terms of win losses going into the tournament. I think that like that's quite important at this point rather than just making him kind of a fluke winner and really stabilise him as a top card guy. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way to get the Dome storyline in there somewhere. Whether could it be a thing where Lycos wants to wrestle Trevay in the Dome rather than the ballroom? I'm not sure if that quite makes sense. I'm just sort of thinking about it on the fly. But I do agree with you boys. I would like to see a way for there be so for there to be another wrinkle in the story before we get to the match. Um, and I'm I'm not 100 percent sure what that is, but I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. Either way, you know. Fucking oi, 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 Lycos, big up to your son. What a weekend, what a performance. And I think we've all agreed there across the board, sweet, that you deserve it, lad. That's another shit champ, by the way. Yeah, just um, one last thing to Lycos was that um, obviously there were certain members of the group that weren't entirely won over by Lycos being crowned the champion. But what even those people were saying at the pub was you can't argue with that crowd reaction. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of crowd reactions, uh, talking point number two across the weekend, the return of the Swords of Essex. So Will Ospreay, night one, comes in to Super Strong Style 16. He picks up a victory over Tate Mayfairs, who else? Who also had a cracking weekend, by the way. Osprey goes on to night two. He essentially gets cheated out of a victory, like the complete biggest schmoz, classic convoluted, dusty sort of shit against Nathan Cruz. Cruz goes through, solidifies Cruz as the heel, not a heel, the heel in the tournament, which means Osprey, well, what's going to happen? Callum Newman comes to the ring. He says, Will, I know this isn't a good time. Any danger of a singles match. Then we get 
my favourite promo of the weekend, Maverick Mayhew. He says, well, Cal, what about us, mate? We're meant to have a, an eight-person tag tomorrow. And then eventually we end up with uh, Roman from Paul Robinson, Swords of Essex, which will include Callum Newman against CPF. Robbo with the absolutely almighty pop on Monday, day three, coming out to uh, Scoobius Pip, um, let him come. Obviously an absolute banger of a tune. And lads, for me, boy, it's, there's going to be a few contenders for match of the weekend, but this one's got to be right up there. Really, I think the talking point is not now whether Progress and TNT have made the right decision by having Will and Robbo and the Swords of Essex back in the fold because you can't argue with the reactions over the weekend. I would say pretty close to 100% positive around the room. The question is, what next for the Swords of Essex? Do we continue to see these two booked as a tag team or is Osprey a chance at coming after Spike Trevay? Go on, Ross. What do you got? Well, firstly, a classic Ross prediction. I predicted that Will Ospreay would be the hill and turns out it wasn't. <laughs> so in terms of where Robinson goes, I think it's pretty clear from his promo on day three that uh, he wants his Proteus title reinstated and going to do a solo run with that. And in terms of Osprey in progress, I don't expect him to be on too many shows, but I think that it's almost like he's chosen progress to be the promotion where Swords of Essex are going to be exclusive and he's almost going to only do Swords stuff, which I'm excited for because obviously you've got Sunshine Machine, 0121, Smoking Aces. Like we've waxed lyrical about how good the tag roster has been over the past year or so in progress. And if you add CPF, etc., to that with Swords of Essex, then they can kind of just have six incredible matches over the next year. And I'd be happy with that in terms of Osprey output because he's not going to be someone that's going to be around all the time. So I'd be happy with that. And I think that alongside that, Robbo is going to bring back the Protoss title, which it really excites me because that's a really cool title. And obviously something that New Japan took note of and kind of used for their King of Pro wrestling title, which I also love. So what are the after Monday... Robbo cut a little bit of a promo and what did he say? Something along the lines of we want Proteus Paul back or something like that, was it? Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, so uh, maybe an opportunity that we're going to get a little bit more of Robbo the knockout merchant. Fucking hell, he threw some hands and some slaps and some chops and some kicks in that six-man on Monday. Oscar, how did you feel around the uh, return of the Swords of Essex across the weekend? Well, yeah, I'm a more recent Progress fan, so I don't even know all the backstory behind it, but I have seen Paul Robinson's stuff just prior to COVID on demand. And I think the stipulations he did those matches, it's a nice way to break up the card with a sort of a different different sort of match type. So I, I have, yeah. I'd love to see that come back. And yeah, with the Osprey, how much is he going to work that the next August show? He's already fighting Shingo on that day. So I wouldn't put him past him to do double duty, but what the showtimes are literally overlapping. So are we going to see him then? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm happy to have him there every now and again because who is who would turn down to see a Will Ospreay? No one at all. Um, even more than that, who would turn down seeing Will Ospreay wearing jeans? Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the brand of jumper that he had on. It's that one that's like E-L-E-S-S-E. Um, and 
yeah, a lease and a proper trucker cap, which was his entrance gear on Monday, which uh, I absolutely loved. And then singing along to Scooby's Pit just seemed like an absolute geezer. Just my my last point on Osprey. Seeing him yeah. live back again in like the ballroom where I was so used to, t- to him doing all the sort of stuff that CPF do to try and get over. It shows his progression as a wrestler that he just allowed CPF to have most of those spots and Osprey just did the bare minimum of the crazy stuff and was still easily like so exciting in the ring. It shows the progression of the guy like he doesn't have to just be the flip guy anymore. And man, is he just can't even put into words how good he is. Yeah. There are some suggestions that he's not quite a hundred percent as far as in in ring shape. Like he did that his own promo when he was in the car um, and spoke about how his style might have to change a little bit. But I think that the only reason that anyone would ever notice is because he tells us himself. There is no way watching him across the weekend, anyone would have felt short change from any Will Ospreay match. He really is just incredible, like a and a, a once in a generational athlete, I think. And it, well, you know what? I'll even go as far as some people might not might not like me saying this, but I think we're lucky to have him back. Um, and I'm I was I was glad to have him. You know. Talking point number three for me, lads, is tag team wrestling in progress. So major story coming out of tag team wrestling across the weekend was day two. And it was main event Sunshine Machine, TK and Mambo uh, versus the Smoking Aces in what is admittedly a fucking bonkers ladder match. Firstly, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the matchup. So... I'm not going to try to describe spots, but just so much creative and imaginative stuff as far as the ladders. The kind of idea of the story was that neither team really were that interested in winning in the early going. Mambo and TK are trying to get revenge for what the Aces did to Mambo and his pretty beautiful baby face. And then the Aces themselves... Well, they want to prove that they are completely dominant over the Sunshine Machine and working that heel style of, well, we've got you down on the ground. We're not going to grab the belts. We're going to crush you like cockroaches. So that's kind of the story and what that leads to when you kind of acknowledge that neither team seem to be that desperate to grab the title belts. Well, then you get insane, crazy shit, like people trying to do like slingshot catapults at the top of the ladder and things of that nature. I was blown away by the creativity and just the ambition in the match, but my overwhelming feelings were like, fuck, I hope everyone's okay at the end. And I was looking up on the balcony at someone who I know away from the ring is TK Cooper's partner. And I was just, I noticed that they didn't stay for the whole match. Now, I don't think that that was part of the story. I think that just some of the things that they were doing in that match, well, I'm just glad that no one got hurt because there was just, you're going to have to go and watch it, dear listener. I can't describe it. Just like everything you can think of, designated drivers from tops of ladders and just crazy shit. It was just mental. So, lads, firstly, the ladder match. Anything stand out to us? And then I want to ask you a little bit about what your thoughts are about what next for the tag team division in progress. 
Oscar, you're up first this time, mate. Uh, do you have any memories of that ladder match as it happened live? Any memories? I think the only thing I can remember is I had a bit too much to drink at that point. I remember the crowd loving it. Any spots in particular, not quite. I think I spent most of the beginning trying to organise a short round or something like that. But I'll have to go back and watch it because from what everyone's told me, great match. So, yeah, that's the best I can do. Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, that's fine, mate. That's fine. I just, uh, any thoughts on the eventual winner then, the Smoking Aces, dethroning Sunshine Machine? Is there more to be told in this story? Or do we get the Smoking Aces doing something different after this? What, do we th- what are our thoughts? Well, yeah, Sunshine, I've lost count of how many title defences they've had now. So it was a matter of when, not if, who's going to beat them soon, sooner rather than later. So I think changing it at Stupid Strong Style, that's fine to change it, I think, because there's only so much you can tell with the same team with the belts, even if they want to run it back or something like that. Having it with the belts on their heels, it's a nice different dynamic. It's a nice change rather than just doing the same sort of stories. But I think definitely Aces could go on against all the babyface teams in the promotion now. So it opens up a whole new load of matches that they could be running for the next sort of shows. So I think there's loads of teams that could have a short 0-1-2-1 for one. CPF, they could have a go. Yeah, loads. Yeah, 100%. Ross, excellent journalism from me. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was pleased that you made the point about how Mambo mentioned in our podcast with him that, that this was quite a personal match to him after what happened to his eye and that potentially the first part of this match felt more like it was more about hurting your opponent than it was winning the match and, and lifting the titles off the ceiling. And that is what takes those spots where TK in particular, I think, chose to dive off the ladder rather than take the titles it gives that gravitas when it strikes through the line of, you know, why would you not just get the titles idea? Like that answers that question. And two, it actually means that the baby faces, even though they lost, you can say, well, they got the, like almost like a visual pin, right? Like they could have won the titles, but their overriding emotion from what was done to them in the lead up to the match was their downfall. So I think that's a beautiful bit of storytelling. Yeah. I have a little bit of an idea about what I'm probably expecting by the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to be before or after Lycos has a shot at the world title, but it wouldn't surprise me if all of that lovely babyface promo that we've already spoken about with Lycos putting over TK and Mambo, if it might lead to maybe a four-on-four style situation with Lycos Jim and Sunshine Machine joining forces um, to take on Dominus Red... What's it called? Dominus Regnum? Rainium, I think it's pronounced. Rainium. Yeah. I'm from Australia. I'm a bogan. I apologise. <laughs> Dominus Rainium. So that'll be uh, obviously Bullet, The Aces and Spike Trevay. I could definitely see a big eight-man war, some type of, you know, deathmatch situation in the ballroom. Maybe it'll be best to do that after uh, Lycos was to have an unsuccessful shot at the world title. But in the words of the great Oscar, I'm not a booker. But might be an idea. I think we might get something like that before the end of this calendar year, dear listener. Also, um, real pleased as the stat man from last week that that um, stat stays in place, that Smoke and Aces win every time. It's just two on two. Yeah, 100%. Statman Jones.
Lads, next talking point, the return of Nigel McGuinness. Now, I didn't get to see Nigel make his entrance to uh, Fucking in the Bushes by Oasis at the Dome because I went to drain the spuds, which is another Australian bogan <laughs> colloquialism from me. But um, I did get to see it eventually on day two and day three, which I was excited about, being, you know, a big Liam Gallagher mark as well as also a Nigel McGuinness fan. But um, really for me, the highlight for Nigel McGuinness, I'll let you guys talk about the wrestling show. I went to the magic show on... <laughs> Sunday, that was Sunday night, wasn't it? Sunday night. Jeez, it was good fun. I really, really just had a lovely time. It was just an hour well spent. I've seen a bit of magic before. Like my dad took me to see David Copperfield when I was a kid once in Brisbane and stuff like that. This was a different type of magic show. There was a lot of like, um, almost like inspirational talking. And if I, far be it from me to sort of try to tell Nigel how to market it in the future, but I think maybe more buzz will be garnered for this in the future, the next time he does it. So I know he will do it again in London. If he sells it as Nigel McGuinness, you know, a retrospective of wrestling with magic involved, because that's really what it is. He talks through his career. There's loads of great stories. And he's also a really, really funny cunt. It was, he was super funny just jokes and jokes and jokes. Lots of them were wrestling-related jokes. American Dragon got absolutely rinsed the entire hour, and then he throws in maybe half a dozen awesome and impressive magic tricks. So I absolutely love that, and it was just great to have Nigel McGuinness back. Ross, I know you are a big Nigel McGuinness fan, and you have seen him in person before um, at the debut, oh, the debut, the premiere of his film, The Last of McGuinness. How did you feel to see Nigel back in the flesh involved with Progress Wrestling? Yeah, super, super cool. I'm long in the tooth enough with Progress to remember him at the garage. I think it was chapter nine that he was the referee. Yeah, so it's pretty cool to like, you know, there was quite a few of those moments, wasn't there? Like, you know, Haskins back in the ballroom, Osprey back in the ballroom, Mills back at the dome in Progress. There was there was a lot of nostalgia there for me. And this was a big part of it as well. And yeah. Whether in terms of McGuinness is used at a later date with the Haskins stuff in the final, I'm actually kind of excited about that fact being the case, just because otherwise I feel a bit that they dropped a bollock a little bit with the booking there, unless they're going somewhere with it. Because for me, the Haskins story, I know that I've waxed lyrical about how good I felt they did with Lycos. The Haskins stuff, I really enjoyed and up until the final, he was very babyface and he was cutting promos about, I want it more. I want this. It's so good to be back in progress. I love progress. And then just from nowhere, just the sight of Nigel McGuinness changed his entire character to the point where he became a complete bastard, at, like seemingly out of nowhere. So unless they play that off, whether it's actually with McGuinness involved or if they just mention McGuinness and then play the story into that using his name hopefully that's the case but i doubt of course it's an actual wrestling match but if it is and we get haskins versus mcginnis i'm all for that yeah oscar i you've been alluded to before a bit younger than us have you got much of an idea about mcginnis before the weekend or were you kind of a bit like who is this bloke and why is everyone mental for him <laughs> no i know i know of him i know of him but I don't, I, I don't think I've actually ever seen him wrestling. 
but I just heard the story. I know he's a legend because I think you lot on the uh, All In previews wasn't him and Danielson a big talking point. Everyone would go would love to see it, whether it's possible or not. But no, just seeing him being announced for this weekend, even though I never watched him grow up on him, I'm excited to see him. They're definitely part of the draw of the weekend. Yeah, well, I hopefully we get the chance to talk a little bit more about that dream match in the future. Who knows? I'm still not sold, but bloody hell, I would love it. Uh, someone book it. Couple more lads, couple talking points before we get the fuck out of here. So we've already touched on a few things, major highlights. This is the chance for us to sort of sweep up anything that we've missed. We're going to start with story of the weekend or stories of the weekend. Now, this means from a progress wrestling perspective, we've spoken about the ladder match. We've spoken about Kid Lycos. What other stories from a development standpoint stood out to us across the weekend? Ross, anything stand out to you in particular that you would like to mention? Yeah, so for me, when uh, this was listed as one of the talking points, straight away for me, it was Nathan Cruz. So Nathan Cruz worked the Dome on the Saturday as a babyface, which shocked me because I don't think I've ever seen Nathan Cruz wrestle as a babyface. And he's such a good heel. I was massively surprised that that was the case. We didn't notice it because we were behind the pillar but he even came out with the uh, staff, the original Progress title. So he was obviously playing on the nostalgia of the fans. And that was part of the way of getting him to be a babyface. And I remember talking to Dom about it in particular and saying, I just don't quite understand the point behind that. When you've only really got Tate Mayfairs, who's doing a heel gimmick in 16 wrestlers, there was definitely space for more heeldom. But fall on me, because what they did on day two, I thought was fantastic of the way that Cruz wrestled that match and then halfway through you realized what his tactic was and the reason for him bringing the stuff was all a ploy and that he'd use it. He used it to the benefit of himself to get Osprey disqualified on day two. He then tried to use it on day three and win that match against Lycos and, and he was um, undone. So I actually think that whilst on day one I was puzzled and I couldn't understand why they did it, I then was like, I'm an idiot. That was brilliant piece of storytelling. Yeah. Lovely stuff. What about yourself, Oz? Anything stand out for you from a story perspective? Yeah, well, yeah. I think away from the, the main stories, unlike Doris, him being upset that he lost it, and then Leon said, I think it was just a nice feel-good moment, and then getting them to have their match. I think I enjoy watching it, and especially with, with Dan Maloney coming back from Japan soon. I'm sure he's going to get a great reception from the crowd, because I think we're all proud of him getting in the best of super juniors and doing a good job. So I think 0 one definitely on the up, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, 0 one slash boisterous behaviour, 100%. Mm. I think that uh, I've already mentioned most of my stories of the weekend. So I think we go straight on a little bit of a tie-in. What about from an in-ring perspective then? Um, we've already spoken about some matches of the weekend, but any others stand out for us? For, for me, I've probably mentioned my top two in the um, CPF, Swords of Essex six-man, and the ladder match. I wouldn't want to split those two. But in my top three, a match, tournament match from night one, I loved the heck out of Luke Jacobs versus Rampage Brown. Gee, I, it was just a standout. It probably wasn't, you know, overly lengthy. I guess it would have been less than 10 minutes or around that mark, a sprint as they might call it in the industry, but they just beat the heck out of each other. 
it was awesome. And it just got Luke Jacobs for me um, developed a little bit more as far as the tournament went. It was just a perfect little story. And for, you know, big men beating each other up, I think it was about the right length as well. So um, for me, maybe not the exact match of the weekend, but one that just stood out to me. Uh, we'll go back the other way. Oscar, anything stand out for you as far as matches of the weekend that we haven't really focused much on yet? Yeah, I think one that might not get talked about as much as maybe it should do was Lycos and Wayne, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, uh, banger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, what, was that the quarters or was it the semis? Either way, quarters. I didn't think Lycos yeah. was going to go over because Nick Wayne's such a big name. I thought he was going to progress. Because this before we realised, oh, they're actually going to pull the trigger on Lycos. So I thought it was going to be a great showing, but losing and getting over in defeat. But when it got to the end and I realised, oh, he might actually win this, that's when it really got me, I was going to say out of my seat as if we were sitting down, but I was fully invested in that finish. And then when he actually got the three count, I was over the moon. I remember popping so hard for that. So I think that match is definitely one of my favourite moments of the week because I was ecstatic to see Lycos go over. I was not at the time, but as far as the whole story goes, I was. Ross, a chance for you, mate. Matches of the weekend, maybe ones that we haven't mentioned as of yet. Yeah, I would go along with every single thing that you guys have mentioned. I would like to give two props to, firstly, the boisterous lads against uh, Rampage and Damo, I thought was excellent. Um, Really enjoyed that and the dynamics between all four of them. Um, some of the like power moves that Slater in particular was able to do against Rampage Brown was incredible. And also to the the midnight strikes, no, the clock strikes midnight match uh, between Alexis Falcon and Nina Samuels. The presentation of that match I thought was really, really cool. The entrances were cool. The story was creative. The match was creative. I, I enjoyed the kind of the, almost like the Royal Rumble countdown to something new happening in the match. I thought that was a really cool thing. I haven't ever seen it done previously, personally. It probably has done. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's something that may well be used in the industry worldwide because it definitely helped keep you interested in that match. And both of those women put their bodies on the line in the match. Some of the bumps were incredible. The table bump that Nina did, the Lego spots, the thumbtack spots. Fair play, girls. They absolutely smashed it. Yeah, they really, really did. It was great fun. And the way that the match itself was booked was just brilliant. It was just just exactly right. It's a bit of us because, as you know, dear listener, well, I don't have to take the title of this fucking show. (laughs) So that pretty much is going to cover most of our progress news on the roundtable here. One and a half more talking points, lads. What about wrestling should be fun moments? Uh, What do we got over the weekend? We don't have to choose one or anything like that. Things that stood out over a big three-day bender of us are really really giving it a good nudge. So I very much enjoyed the story of somehow you lot ending up in Cody Ugly after day two. Tell (laughs) us a bit about Cody Ugly, please, the people that were there. I was not. So, yeah, Cody Ugly has become kind of a mainstay recently of post-progress fun. You basically pay your £5 to get in. You then pay over the odds for drinks like you always do in London and you get to uh, fight the moonlight. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mate, you can't, you can't fight the moonlight. <laughs> so yeah, there was, there was plenty of um, shots and cigarettes and madness. There was 
who was there, Oscar? There was Colin. There was 90s. There was ourselves. There was JCH. There was Jen, Lucy, Hannah. Lots of fun was had. Barmaids on tables dancing to terrible songs. Mike wanted to leave almost immediately as he arrived. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Turns out it's not really his clientele. Yeah, a good lot of fun, I would say. Yeah. Lads, just throw them at me. What else happened over the weekend? We must. There must be lots of stuff that we can remember. Um, Oscar rolling up on day three, going into the Weatherspoons for breakfast, going to have a quiet, a quiet beer, maybe to get ourselves going again. Rocks back to the table with two pictures of vodka and monster. Oz, what what are your thought processes for day three? I think that was the the beginning of the end for me knowing what was going on, but it was funny because. <laughs> We obviously we did the um, order on the app, and I didn't say that I'd ordered it. So then the poor poor girl turns up with two pictures of vodka and Monster, and Mike goes, "Oh no, sorry, I don't think that's for us." And then I have to be like, uh, "Now that was me," because it was funny five <laughs> minutes ago. And it, it took five minutes to come, and everyone everyone was tucking into their food, and then she was like, "It was good fun, though. It was good. It was good fun." You boys were stepping pretty high when you arrived for day three. Yeah, because what that was midday that we just started drinking. Yeah. My uh, first part of Curry Ugly was as we was leaving, JCH books the Uber, it rolls up. And as we're all about to get in, it goes running across the road to go say bye to everyone in the most drunkenly way possible. Then the Uber driver goes to me, is he getting in the car? I go, oh yeah. He goes, no, he's not. And then just drive straight off. (laughs) Everyone go, what the fuck? We had to get a new one. But (laughs) JCH was fuming. That was probably the funniest part. When you guys went to Cody Ugly, I was like, no, I'm going to go home. I'm going to I'm gonna go and order double or nothing. So I got home, paid my 20 quid. There was about half an hour left of the pre-show. I was like, you beauty, I'm going to make some food. I'd already prepared like a big spaghetti bolognese earlier in the day. I'm all set, sat down, ate my pasta. Just as the pre-show is finishing, um, Orange Cassidy is coming out for the Battle Royal, out like a fucking light. Didn't see one second of it. <laughs> What are you making this time? Had to, no, I kept the clothes on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a history, though. Um, I, I also think that I put the blinds down, but who can be sure? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, mate. So what about you um, versus Damo? Well, you better tell that story because you, you were responsible for that. <laughs> so a few of the Progress lads came to the Boston Arms uh, after the day one show and... I went up to Big Demo to uh, just say thanks for coming on the podcast in the past. And he's a very nice man. Just had a quick chat. And then I mentioned to him that we recently trying to up the numbers on the old TikTok. And I was saying that it'd be great bit of content if we could split the G's with you and uh, Demo. Is on the Chuck Mambo podcast, it was mentioned that he felt that, that he's never seen anyone in this world being able to split a G quite like Big Demo. So we thought that'd be great content. Only for Big Dom to completely sell him out when it came to splitting the G, just being like, nah, we're necking it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> splitting the G is not good content. I was just like, mate, come on. We, we, we're going we're gonna to put these down. And also because that was the one way that I knew I could beat him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, I put him in the dirt. You certainly did, mate. You certainly did. <laughs> and uh, then promptly had to take myself home. It was, uh, I think, Oscar, you... In my mind, it probably between you and JCH over who was best on ground across the whole weekend. Um, but I definitely gave it a pretty good nudge on day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else that we need to shout out? Wrestling should be fun-wise across the weekend. Just really a big, big thank you to 
JC, Johnny Collins, who um, helped us out with uh, getting to the Maldi Peaches gig after day three on Monday. I think there was a contingent of six of us from Wrestling Should Be Fun, including my partner, Holly, got to come along. And it was just awesome for me to once again see Kenya Dawson, who is not just a, you know, a favourite of mine, and Ross said the Maldi Peaches were a favourite of his, but also close personal friend of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. So, you know, music, but make it wrestling. Yeah, it was a beautiful end to the weekend, something that was very unexpected for me. John actually came up to me and was like, I've got a present for you later if you choose to accept it. And I was like, <laughs> I accept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, pretty funny, wasn't it? Because not only were we rubbing shoulders with the likes of Carl Barat from the Libertines and Johnny Burrell from Razorlight on that stage, we were also doing it whilst also, for the most part, just going, yeah. <laughs> Mate, like, I still think that's the funniest shit in the world. But it, I, so I have a video of me singing, like, anyone else but you with my partner. And in the background, you can just see, like, you know, musicians from the Libertines and fucking Razor Light looking at me, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Perfection. You know, when you're, you know, when, like, the next day you just don't want to even check your camera roll. Oh, yeah. It was one of those moments when I, when I put it on <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez, look at these faces in the background. It was grim. <laughs> but, mate, we had an awesome time. Lads, last talking point. Any other business? Any other? Follow, follow the TikTok, man. At Wrestling Should Be Fun. Get involved. 100%. Good. Let's get some plugs in there. Ross, any other business? Uh, just shout out to Oscar for spending fifty pounds at the merch table with Tate Mayfair. <laughs> oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Oscar, Oscar bought the cologne. <laughs> Zero remorse. And uh, Tate Mayfair's, we love Tate. He is a genuine bad guy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But he definitely saw Oscar coming. Uh, that's like <laughs> you, you've been properly carnage at the merch desk there, Oz, because it's essentially just brute. Yeah, I mean, you've got to pay for the brand. You've got to pay for the brand. <laughs> no, mate, it's actually really not. Like, it, it, sm- it smells beautiful. I really liked it. And uh, I was, I, yeah, that made me very happy, the fact that someone actually bought that. That's outstanding. Uh, Mayfairs, I hope you've done well across the weekend, mate. Um, I hope you've, uh, you've lined those already self-made wealthy pockets. No other business from me, I don't think. Outside of, uh, let's tell everyone where they can follow us. A few plugs here. As always, on Twitter, at WSBFUN, all one word. On Instagram, wrestling should be fun, all one word. And on TikTok, as Oz said, he runs a TikTok there. Um, at wrestling should be fun, all one word. Share this with your pals, get around us, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, from me, just right, I want to say thank you very much to the boss, Ross Casey. I want to say thank hey, you buddy. very much. Yep. I want to say thank you very much to the Wizard of Oz. Oz. <laughs> Lads, we will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you most of all to you, dear listener, and more importantly, drink lots of water. Look after you, mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.